listening to The Defiant Ones, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of Defy. Greetings, Defiance, and welcome to the Defiant Ones Episode 1. My name is Kevin Deers, and this, right now, is the first official Defy Wrestling Podcast, and I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am to host this show, to get this project running, but I guess I have to try, right? From day one, Defy has grown from being this kind of scrappy underground upstart to one of the most highly revered independent wrestling companies in the United States. But honestly, Defy is more than the monthly wrestling shows. It's more than the in-ring battles. It's more than the loud chants, the raucous crowds. Defy is a full-blown community uniting us all with a common interest and a common love. It has obviously been a very strange and difficult year for all of us. There's been so much loss so many hardships, and so much adversity to overcome. We've been united by social and political movements, but separated by a pandemic. It's a difficult thing not being able to meet up with our friends to unite in that raucous clubhouse called Washington Hall and chant the names of our favorite wrestlers, but we can stick together. And what I envision for this project, the Defiant Ones, is it's a way for us to remain connected throughout. It's a way to hear the stories behind some of our homegrown talent and and some of the bigger heroes of the ring that we've had as guests of Defy. And when that time comes for us all to cram back into Washington Hall, this podcast can then serve as a documentation for those shows and those epic battles. Now, before I launch into episode one featuring the current Defy champ and your weirdo hero, here are just a few quick announcements I'd like to make. First off, today is day one of the official Defiance Patreon, and behalf of everyone involved in Defy, we would like to thank you so much for helping keep this community alive. Now, please help spread the word about the Defiance Patreon, as it is the perfect place for all of us to meet up during this strange, odd time of quarantine. Now, one day before Halloween, on Friday, October 30th, we are going to be live-streaming our inaugural Merch-O-Rama, and it's going to be hosted by Steve Miggs and Ethan HD at DefyWrestling.com. If you've been following the Defy social media, you probably saw something about Defy Rewind. Well, later this month, we're going to debut Defy Rewind. It's an interactive Zoom event exclusive to Defy patrons. This time, we're going to watch wrestling with the mighty Brody King. Keep watching the Patreon feed to learn what will be happening and how you can join. But without further ado, it was my pleasure to speak with the one and only weirdo hero, your Defy heavyweight champion, Randy Myers. It is uh, episode one of Defy Podcast, Defiant Ones, and who else should we speak to than the champ? The champ is here. The champ is queer. Randy Myers. Ravenous Randy. darling. Yes. Ravenous Randy I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, things are a lot different than they were the last time we saw you uh, winning the championship, being crowned at Washington Hall. It's good to see you here on Zoom, obviously, in very socially distant times. Uh, you're up in Vancouver right now? I am. I am here in East Vancouver. I'd give you my address, but it wouldn't make any difference because you couldn't visit anyways. Exactly. We're we're barred from seeing each other, unfortunately. Um, I guess, like, how are you doing, man? How, how have you been able to, like, you know, stay busy, stay mentally not insane, like, just stay sane? 
how's uh how's the last few months been for you in this pandemic world we're currently living in yeah it's definitely it's definitely weird like i this is the longest break i've had in wrestling since in my 20-year career yeah and just that alone like not seeing some of these people that have grown to become my family and just doing something that i've done and having this exchange of energy that i just taken for me was for sure a real a shock to begin with but I don't have a lot of bad things necessarily going on in my life. Like a lot of people have it worse. So I'm trying yeah. to focus on that stuff, trying to stay creative with um, different things. I'm doing some stand up now, which has That's been awesome. really fun. Yeah. And just different art projects and working out best I can for the day that we can return. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's hard to keep that hope alive every day, right? You you are doing stand up. Is that something that you had experience with before the pandemic? Or uh, tell me a little bit about that. I was, I'd always wanted to do it since I was little. Like it was always an art form that I've had like mass respects for so much so that I didn't feel that I was worthy of doing it. Sure. Uh, I always felt that I was more like, you know, if I was going to entertain people, it was going to be through me getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And that felt more like my wheelhouse, but it was always something I wanted to try. And I'd taken some classes before and tried it a couple of times, but not gotten to where I felt comfortable. And then when my birthday came around last year, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I wanted to like, just actually give it like a strong go. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So then it stopped. And then shows have started kind of opening up in that realm. And it's like the only place I can be me and express myself right now. So it's a godsend. I'm really lucky for it. I don't know whether I'd been able to give myself as much as I have been over the last couple of months to comedy if I was still wrestling. So it's a give and take. I think uh, it's interesting that you say that because I've actually like talked to I, my my uh, other job. Uh, one of my jobs is I, I do a, a metal radio show, uh, as you probably know, and uh, I talk to a lot of metal bands. and And uh, one thing we've all kind of talked about is how at the end of this, at the you know the end of whatever this road is, I think we're all going to have a couple extra things on our tool belt. Like you know, I'll be able to like edit some video. I've never been able to do that before. You know, like I have a home recording studio now. Like very diy setup but i think we're all kind of just adjusting to it and and you know like like you said with stand-up you 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 wouldn't have had that time to just jump full throttle in and uh kind of get some some reps in right totally exactly i would have been like a lot of the shows happen when they on fridays and saturdays mm-hmm. so they would have corresponded with wrestling things or training or what have you and i just being that wrestling was like my first love, I would have felt like I was cheating on it to be yeah. doing other shows on the weekend or like blowing off, not taking wrestling bookings to do comedy. Bookings. So that's great that you got a studio set up. I think that's awesome. It's, it's meager, but you know, it's just, it's a board. It's a, uh, it's a microphone. It's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's, it's basically, it's all I need for, for right now though. So, um, totally. yeah, so why exact, how, how have, uh, how have you been able to stay in shape and stay active with the gyms shut down for as long as they were? Uh, do you do a lot of body weight exercises? I know you're someone who's constantly, I mean, you're, you're very ripped and you're someone who, who stays, you know, in shape uh, outside of the ring as well. And as well as like dieting and whatnot, uh, what kind of exercise did you do? And was it kind of, uh, I don't know, did it take its toll on you mentally, not being able to hit the gym as much? For sure. Right away. I didn't know what to do. But then I did, luckily enough, I've learned a lot of body weight exercises over the years. Yeah. The training I've done back in like Calgary and stuff like that. 
learned like just squats and like lots of just wrestling stuff over the years. So kind of just went back to my basics. Yeah. And then once I got tired of that, kind of just started to like expand my mind and try and be more creative with stuff using my skateboard and stuff like that for things. Oh, that's awesome. Getting banned and you know it's if you're creative i think you can always find a way to like work around a situation and i even like that when i was going to the gym because it would be like somebody would be on the machine i wanted mm. and then i'd be like okay i could either like wait for that or i could figure a way to do the exact same exercise but using other machines or other equipment and stuff like that and then i keep my brain busy while i'm my body busy and it works out so yeah i've been down luckily enough i have like a sweet basement Right, like, yeah. like a garage downstairs. Yeah, I've seen some videos of you down there. Yeah, it's perfect for me. It's uh, exactly where I should be working out. So it's this grungy little hole in the ground. It's got caged in, and it's got this really scary look to it, but it's got some equipment down there. And I've been, yeah, training myself down there for, like, a couple hours every day, listening to music, listening to podcasts, yeah. like, kind of getting my zen. I just bought a hula hoop. So nice. That's yeah, so new skills for all of us. Um, have you been able to train at all, like wrestling-wise? Have you been able to get into a ring? I saw the Voros twins. Speaking of, the Voros twins are now, like, fucking huge superstars and have gone viral <laughs> with DaVinci. Right. So shout out to the Voros. <laughs> no, those boys, I knew that that was going to happen at some point. Those, as The moment I saw them, I met them actually at a gym. I saw one of them come in, yeah. and I was, like, instantly drawn to them. And then when the second one came in, I just got off, off the bench. Like, I feel like I levitated off the bench and just, like, wandered over to them. And I was pitching, like, the Hebner tw- twin referee angle. Oh, yeah. In the gym, and they were like, oh, we love wrestling. That is why we are at the gym, so we can train to be wrestlers one day. And then they started coming to shows. And, uh, yeah, the moment I saw them, I knew they were going to be stars. So Wait. I can live in their, you know, live in their basement one day or something. <laughs> So have you have you kind of seen the entire rise of the of the Voros twins from just you know being fans and so you've you've been there from the ground floor of, of totally yeah that's really sure. cool I was like I was the first one who like I saw them at a gym and I and I like like that Triple H story you know he's like I saw him in a gym and then Sluxton and then I I hired Enzo Amore well I didn't <laughs> hire Enzo Amore I saw the I saw the Voros twins and like mass potential in them and. Yeah, I have seen them like and now they're so like they're so jacked now. Yeah. And I'm like the sky's the limit for them. I'm so excited. Hashtag DaVinci. Uh, so have you, uh, so uh, the reason I bring them up is because they show uh, some clips of, you know, obviously, you know, we got to all take our own, you know, precautions of safety wise and stuff. Have you been able to hit the gym and wrestle at all? Or are you still kind of uh, a little bit weary about that? Yeah, to tell you the truth, I haven't been in a ring from like, yeah, like going on like six months it's been a long time because there is some training running up here and they're doing it safely mm-hmm. um but i just like i live with my mother and uh, I just, yeah yeah and i just i, I don't want to put anyone at risk and stuff like that and so right now i've been taking the time off away from it and just without shows i'm having real trouble wanting to like you know like i'm i'm, I'm missing wrestling but i'm missing the fans and that interaction sure more than i'm missing throwing people around like if i see my friends i want to hug them <laughs> yeah or, or kiss them and that's going to be hard not to do yeah yeah that's so. that's true is is it's hard to be ravenous randy uh when you can't you got to socially distance like your entire personality is very socially undistanced like you you love on people and you show that love and, and support with all of yourself and it's like 
you can't do any of that now. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's hard like to go halfway. The biggest deal ever for Ravenous Randy is COVID. <laughs> oh, it's a good, yeah. Actually, man, that would be the ultimate heel is is COVID. Uh, yeah, All right. took away my my superpower. You are a very outspoken advocate about the importance of mental health, and um, and that's something that I find amazing. We find uh, during this time, it seems like a lot more people are are opening up about the importance of mental health. We're all kind of um, sharing, I think, at least a little bit more um, about mental health. How have you been handling your mental health during this time? It's a really rough time for a lot of people. Um, I know, at least for a lot of my friend groups, a lot of people have been handling it super hard. And at times, there are days that I handle it super hard. Obviously, I'm here being able to talk to you about this, so I'm doing okay, but... Do you have any advice and how have you been able to handle your mental health during this time? It's, it's been really hard. Uh, it's been hard for me to not have that focus that I like that wrestling would give me that one kind of track mind yeah. where when things would kind of my mind would want to go one way or somewhere into a bad zone. I'd be able to like bring it back in because wrestling was my focus. And it was kind of I was always thinking of that next show. I could always have something that my mind could go back to. It was almost mm-hmm. meditative in that way. Um and then when I went away or when we've been taking this break, it's felt that my mind has gotten more hectic and I feel more like I did when I was 17, like right before I started wrestling where like I, I could do anything, but almost too many ideas mm-hmm. uh, coming at me and very like a manic um, kind of place I've been at. So kind of finding comedy again has kind of centered me having one kind of thing I can focus on to and think about that next show. It's just been something I've done for so long. It's so weird to not have that kind of, that drug of that interaction or that connection with the fans. So yeah, me finding ways to do that and like working out super important for me too. If I wasn't training every day and like I, I have ADD and OCD, which means I have trouble paying attention to the things that I'm obsessed with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm also quite hyperactive. So if I don't get out that like, manic energy Mm -hmm. it it goes like negative it's almost like trying to bury uh like like an a-bomb or something like that you know what i mean it's still all that energy but it's just buried deep down and it gets darker and it it kind of turns against me so i gotta like harness that energy and ride that wild beast and so working out as hard as i can uh, really helps do you have any advice for the defiance who might be going through difficult uh times yeah, for sure. Um, like trying to trying to find creative places, trying to find that thing that what like what really matters to you or you like. Like easy, simple things. Like I love green tea with honey. It yeah. always brings me joy. It's really simple. I love chihuahuas. I always like that's kind of those things that are that are like kind of true to who I am, even on my darkest times. And yeah. try and go back to those, or try and remember what I wanted. Like as a child kind of, and those things that kind of like, whether it be some nostalgia or something like that, but things that have like been there through my whole life. Like I'll turn on Mick Foley winning the WWE championship for the first Hell time. Yeah. yeah. And that'll hit me in the heart every single time, no matter what mood I'm in, I don't let it not like, I always let it take me away. Awesome. So it's important for me to have those things mm-hmm. and kind of really make tracking what those are. So for me, like punk rock, horror movies, wrestling and comedy have been like those are my four my four horsemen of the apocalypse yes or you know things that i'm gonna ride through and are gonna help me 
to the other side. Okay. Well, what, what, what's your favorite horror movie of all time? Or just a few? I mean, obviously you have an Evil Dead poster or a banner in the background. Yeah. Is that your favorite? It's up there for sure. Ash is a wonderful character. Um, but like my favorite of all time, I, the first one I ever saw was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh my God. Yeah. When I was really young. So my mother, I think, thought that that was like light enough that I could watch it. And mm-hmm. then it was just so weird and so B grade and like, like just a long extended joke that it just like, that was kind of what first got me into things. So I love that. And I also love like, I, like really gory things. Like I love what quote unquote torture porn, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love the idea of like seeing it as an art form, um, as opposed to like reality of violence. You know what I mean? There's so many gross things on TV all the time and bodies and stuff like that. And that stuff grosses me out. But yeah. the idea of like, doing it as an art form and knowing everyone's like wrestling lovingly safe in these scary predicaments. You know what I mean? But everything's okay. Everything's done consensually. And then that's just awesome. So any sort of anything that's like kind of pushed to the extreme, I love. So going back um, to pre pandemic times, you were crowned defy champion. Uh, Probably your biggest moment at defy kind of came to a halt, obviously, with the pandemic. But you were uh, crowned champion at Washington Hall in front of a screaming crowd. Uh, if you don't mind, can you take us back to that moment? And, like, what was the feeling like for you? And, and, and what did that moment mean to you um, in, in front of, you know, that crowd? Kind of, I mean, it's, it's your home away from home, almost. Um, I'm Not almost, but it totally is. And, and so many Randy fans there were along for the ride, watching you um, come from, you know, kind of like preliminary matches and then that moment, man. It was epic for us. What was it like for you? And, and take us, uh, you know, through the, uh, the day for you and, and what that moment was like. Well, like, it was, that moment was, I think... I felt what everyone else was feeling. And like that match was brutal. Like Shaq yeah. was throwing me around. And I was like, I remember a couple of times, like if it wasn't for the, it sounds cheesy, but it's legitimately the fans were like helping me get up. Like it was, I was like so beaten up and so bruised at some points during that match. Those suplexes were rough. Um, but then when I did win, like it was just, it, like you said, it was my like crowning moment there. Yeah. And I didn't see it coming. I didn't know. Um, going down, anything was was up. I really, that's cool. Yeah, no, I had, yeah, I had no idea that we that was what was transpiring that night. We yeah. we talked about working a program, a longer program with Shaft, and then things kind of ended up being what they were, mm-hmm. and it just felt like it's kismet, like the fact that I was able to be in that ring with all those people at that time. Yeah, when we like, who knows when we'll ever be able to have a show again, yeah. and. And we had the ultimate moment of that where like the ultimate Randy moment was being as close to all the fans at once when we mm-hmm. were all in the ring at the end. And they all, I brought them all into the ring because it was it's not just our house. It's, it's, you know, it's our, you know, it's our house. It's not my house, right? It's our house. We were all but spreading I, germs with each other that night. For sure. And we couldn't do that again. Right. Yeah. And, and so that, that's pretty ma- amazing that I got that opportunity right before so not only like my favorite promotion that I've ever got the opportunity to work for, yeah, um, the place that feels like it's that gave me a chance after I thought I was almost out. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was closing the doors on my wrestling career, and then decided to give it one more shot with Defy, and then the roller coaster that they've taken me on, to ultimately to the top, um, was just incredible. And to do it with Shaft, who I've also like 
ridden that journey with. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we've done different like promotional things together. We worked as a team together and yeah, it was a great night and doing it in front of those fans. I felt the love and uh, thank God for that. Cause right now I'm holding onto that really tight. From what I remember, you guys both made your Defy debuts on the same show. It was the the underground show, the Defy underground show that was underneath Washington Hall in the small room. Is that right? No, I think I may have done it the one before. That oh, okay. I worked Sammy Guevara, mm. I believe. Yep. And yep, then yep. the time before, I worked Douglas James. Oh, okay, first. okay. And that was at Washington Hall. Well, relatively around the same time, uh, you guys totally, kind of yeah. came in together. Um, For it, sure. And you mentioned, you know, wanting to possibly hang it up before Defy. I want to get back to that. But before we get to that, I want to kind of um, ask you a little bit about your, your road to becoming a wrestler. Um, and, and where, you, you know, you mentioned being a fan of wrestling. So, and you were a Mick Foley fan and all that. Um, going back to the beginning, do you remember like your first, your first memory of wrestling? When did you first discover wrestling? Was it with your parents? Was it, you know, it, it, through a magazine? What was your first discovery of wrestling? I remember I was at my buddy's house that, like, when you're young and you just have those friends that are, you're only friends with them because you find out their birthday's close to your birthday. Yep. Right? So I had a friend whose birthday was the 27th of November and mine was the 26th. So we would share, like, a birthday weekend quite uh-huh. often. And he had, was like, he was probably six or seven. And we pushed his two couches together and we watched there was a, it was a Survivor Series because the Survivor Series was always around that time around Thanksgiving, yeah. American Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, so we watched Survivor Series that night, and that was the first time I remember. Like we watched, I think five minutes of it, and the next thing I know, we're pushing the couches together yep. and dropping elbows on each other. So that's my very first memory, and then it's like a long shoot forward till I had a friend in around fourteen who was really into it, and then that like brought me back in. And and what were uh, when you got back into it? Uh, who became some of your fast favorites? Um, you know, other you know, you mentioned Mick Foley. I'm assuming he's probably one of them. Yep. No, for sure, Foley's my yeah my number one always. Um, I was in like obviously Jeff Hardy. I don't think that's a real surprise there. Sure. Um, the colored hair and the flamboyant style and such. Um, he's still killing it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big rock fan. Obviously, his promos were like very fun, and mm-hmm. looking back at them, very problematic. But <laughs> at the time, I, I really yeah. liked them, and uh, just the creative kind of way he could hold the crowd in the palm of his hand, just with like raising his eyebrow for and sure. Stuff like that, that kind of stuff was I was always a fan of. Macho Man obviously was always like just so over the top, and like yeah. any of those kind of like really big characters, I love. Uh, did you ever get to go see wrestling live? Yeah, the first time I went and saw wrestling live was in Calgary. They had a, I got invited with my friends again, like randomly to sit in the nosebleed section at the Canadian Stampede. Ooh, that's, that's one of the hottest events event. ever. Yeah, that they held in Calgary. Yeah, oh my so god, like, uh, that big main event with the uh, Heart Foundation versus like the Legion of Doom or whatever. Yeah, that big, that big match and Gold the Dust and Stone Cold. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Owen was hurt, and then he came back and made the big save, and yeah. It was again like a friend that just had an extra ticket and was like, "Hey, do you want to come to this?" And like, yeah, of course I do. You know, but, and then from there I went to the reboot of Stampede Wrestling, which was mm-hmm. in 1999, and that was my first like independent wrestling show. Yeah, and it was so different to like walk in and it was like a dude who was already drunk and passed out in our seats. <laughs> we had to like kick him out, but like seeing that like independent level made me realize that like it's punk. The, it's possible that wrestling yeah. was like a thing that you could do, especially in Calgary. 
So you're from Calgary then? Yep. Originally, yeah, born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, unfortunately, but also fortunately. Are the Hart, is the Hart family like, like presidential level there? Like just much. Yeah. Um, like I remember at one point, one of the Hart brothers was teaching at my high school. Instead of parking in the parking lot, he drove up on the sidewalk in front of like the stairs of this high school and that he parked there all day. That's where he parked. So yeah, they could get away with pretty much anything. And everyone pretty much has a story from Calgary that has them being taught by one of the hearts because a lot of them were substitute teachers. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, they are yeah held at high regards. Interesting. That's really cool, man. I always assume so. And then, uh, you, you know, kind of fast forward a couple years and you're training with the hearts. Is, is that right? Yeah. I trained in the, I trained in the dungeon. I actually started in Ted Hart's uh, pro wrestling camp. So during the stampede wrestling reboot, they would have these commercials for like Teddy Hart's pro wrestling camp for kids. And at that time it was the only, only underage wrestling camp in the world. So there were these kids and they were doing these fantastic things. And there was like te- young Teddy Hart being like, I'll teach you everything from moonsaults off the top rope to DDTs. Just come oh. down. Oh my so like, God. Yeah. So he, we, he, this commercial was on and I was like, punching me and my friends like Barnaby. Yeah. Uh, we called up the number and we're like, let's try this out. We went down there and, and it was, yeah, it was like super cool to see all these like young kids doing like things I still can't do to tell you the truth. Yeah. So from there, I, I, I went on to the dungeon eventually. So, yeah. Give me the vibe of, of the actual dungeon. So you wrestled in the dungeon, the actual dungeon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. For sure. It's, it was terrifying. Like the first day I went down there, I, I, what happened was I was wrestling in Ted Hart's pro wrestling, like his kids camp. And mm-hmm. then there was a short loop uh, kids promotion called Matt rats. I'm, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then from there we went to, um, yeah, I went to the dungeon. And so when I first walked into the dungeon, it's just, Everything you think it would be was terrifying, but also like exhilarating, right? Mm-hmm. But, like these guys, I was like 19 and they were so huge. They were like a lot of former football players and yeah. stuff like that. And it was just this room packed full of testosterone and terrifying. And, but yeah, it was very inviting at the same time somehow. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and kind and everyone treated me very well. And, and it's like such an honor to have been there, but it was, yeah, it was just its basement, a, a, a grungy basement, old gym, dirty, rusty weights everywhere. Like I say, sweaty wrestlers piled onto old workout benches sitting all around, no ropes, obviously. And yeah, uh, the quite often being like the rookie, I would have to clean up the mess, the mm-hmm. cat mess. There would be there's a house full of cats, so there would be like cat crap legitimately right in the middle of the dungeon mat and i'd have to go down and straighten oh it off before practice could start and remember that i was like the only one who knew where it was so i would know where not to bump yeah if i wanted like dive over that on the over arm the race, cat dude, yeah. other people taking drop toe holds face first and i'm like Ugh. but yeah so it was it was wild it was a great experience that's that's iconic man just the uh is the idea of of you being able to to wrestle in the actual dungeon is is epic uh we always hear these crazy stories of Stu hart putting kids in 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 crazy uh wrestling holds until they just cry basically just like putting them in these submission holds until they're freaking out and crying and tapping out did you ever get stretched by the infamous Stu hart no i never got stretched by Stu hart the, by the time i got around he was quite he was quite older ah. so all i got was like he had a mean handshake though oh and then so i got like basically like 
all he had, all, all he had left was this like mean submission handshake. So oh, I'm no. not going to say that he didn't like tap me out, but it was with a handshake, no submission hold. Oh my god, that's crazy. So okay, but, so so you mentioned it real quick. What is Matt Rats? Because if you want to look it up, it's a really interesting thing, and it had something to do with MTV and Eric Bischoff. Is that correct? Totally. Yeah. So it was a promotion that was like based around like Teddy Hart. So a they were the guy who was running this new Stampede Wrestling televised show was like had seen Teddy Hart and seen T.J. Wilson and seen like Tyson Kidd and Harry Smith and mm-hmm. saw all the crazy things that these kids could do and were like this is the show like it's the Stampede Wrestling was based around the older guys and they were more the cruiserweights yeah uh, Teddy Hart and that and so he was like this is the show so he pitched it to MTV and there there was a pilot and Eric Bischoff came down the first bump I ever took. I had a show was in front of Eric Bischoff and I got kicked in the face as I tried to enter a ring and flew way too dramatically onto the cement. But yeah, Eric Bischoff was there. And then at my first wrestling match, it was commentated by Joey Styles, Mauro Ranallo and da, 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 Cyrus. So there was wow. like all this like insane stuff right off the bat. And we were like, we're supposed to be basically wrestling society X, but for kids. Yeah, exactly. It was the kind of the pre that. So it was kind of like pre like all these kind of things that came along after a while. So it was supposed to be, yeah, once you were 25, you were supposed to be kicked off the show. Wow. So it had like, yeah, like young Rene Dupree was there. Cool. And a bunch of people like that are like named now, like Natalia was doing stuff. I mm-hmm. remember doing like Dragon Ranas and stuff like that off the top rope. And crazy stuff. So and then the show basically fizzled, fizzled okay. out. It didn't take off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened at that point. It was kind of at the end of like the when X Games was kind of cool. Sure, you know what I mean. It was yeah, kind yeah. of like like at that era. So I think MTV was kind of wary about like kids getting hurt and stuff like that. Mm. So the show didn't take off, and then a lot of the kids who were involved with Matt Rats, kind of their dreams were like, here's this big thing right at their doorstep, and then it got taken away from them. So they all had like their hearts broken at a young age, mm-hmm. and then a lot of them just quit wrestling because of that. Right? Because and then all of a sudden. I was like one of the only ones left. And then I was like still wanting to wrestle while everyone else had kind of was crushed by wrestling. A lot of people. And then yeah, where'd you go from there? That was when I was able to go stampede wrestling had lost a lot of their talent to Mm -hmm. like a rival wrestling promotion. And so I'd always been going to their shows and stayed loyal as a fan and started bringing my gear to every show. Yeah. And it took like, three weeks of like me bringing my gear and walking up to Bruce Hart and saying, I have my gear. Can I go on tonight? I have my gear. Can I go on tonight? And yeah. Saying, like, Get the fuck out of here or whatever. Like, yeah. go, go and then the third week he's like, yeah, go out there. And uh, I went out there and had a terrible match. Nice. I, my shoe came off and I threw it at my opponent long before Conan. So I don't know if he saw that or something, but um, yeah. And then uh, from there, that was when I got invited to the dungeon, which is really like, I, I did. I, I'd spent all my money. Like I gotten money from my grandma for turning eighteen. Yeah. I'd spent all that on Head Hard's pro wrestling camp, and then I didn't have enough money for the dungeon. And then all of a sudden, they offered me the dungeon, and so I kind of paid with my, with my body. I was like the bump dummy for for years and years and years. Wow. And, that, and so I was like, it was such a gift, and I would I, without that, I don't know where I'd be. So yeah. I went to Stampede Wrestling and then wrestled with them for quite a while. And and uh, from there, uh, how long did it take for you to like, did you have a light bulb moment anywhere down the line where you're like, okay, this is starting to make sense. Like, I can put 
together a semblance of what I would call a good match? Did you ever feel like what, like it click? Like, okay, this is acceptable. This is good. And then, oh, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Like, was there a light bulb moment? I think I was just having fun. I'm okay. very self-critical. So I always still, I look at my matches and I'm like, hey, I know that they like, can put together a match and feel comfortable about yeah. that. And, but I still can always see like room for improvement, which I think is, I consider it a good thing. Um, and so, yeah, there's like, I knew at one point I'm like, okay, I'm getting this. But I remember like a moment where I interacted with a fan where like they were heckling me and they were wanting me to screw up a move or something like that. Wanting me to botch a move. And they kept yelling, botch, botch, botch yell as loud as they could. And I just turned to them and made like the weirdest face. And I just felt like them, like, just like <laughs> right in their faces. And then yeah. just like things changed. And then I realized I could just be completely out there wild and like, and then I wasn't so worried about the wrestling as much as I was about like the character and the interaction with the fans. And that's when it really kind of like, I broke through, I guess. Did you have any favorite moments of your times on the Indies, like pre, you know, your, your time at Defy? Um, yeah, for sure. Like I remember the first name I ever got to work was Christopher Daniels for Stampede Wrestling. Yeah. Years and, years ago. and he was, he was really kind to me then and like gave me some pointers and like helped me through, like hadn't, my best match at that point for sure. And that was a highlight. Um, I've got, I got to work with AJ Styles at one point too. Yeah. That was really fun. I got to cut a promo on him where I said that he, that he's phenomenal. Do, 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 phenomenal. (laughs) And he didn't get it at all. And he just straight faced me. And that was an amazing moment for sure. Yeah. Uh, I got to work with Foley as well. He was my special guest referee at one point. And that was like, course a dream come true full circle walking tacos yeah at the same time and do like the the dude love dance um so like lots of great opportunities and stuff i've been super fortunate i almost feel bad like saying these things because there's just so like so many great opportunities that i've had and i'm grateful for that's awesome man okay so um you mentioned and and we want I wanted to get back to this. You mentioned that you were considering hanging up your boots before things kind of started to take off with Defy. Uh, wh- why is that? And um, you know, you know what kind of was going in through your mind of of why you wanted to potentially retire? Uh, well, I basically had been working. I lived in Alberta, like we said, for a long time, and then I wrestled basically everyone there. A billion times over yeah and so i wanted to do something different so i moved to vancouver and mm-hmm. tried out the scene out here and basically had done the same thing yeah you know, i'd wrestled everyone out here and it was getting to the point where i didn't know where else to go uh canada's really weird we don't have a lot of wrestling as much as we should because there's so many so much great talent that's come from here like a lot of the biggest stars ever have come from canada but oh, yet, yeah we don't have our own major promotions we don't have that like super indie so much as like the States does. And then because Washington was in its weird limbo state where it wasn't having shows, mm-hmm. um, we'd have to go to either Oregon, which is really great to go down to the States or whatever. And it wasn't like, there wasn't a lot of opportunity at that point. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like I said, I've wanted to do lots of other things with my life. Um, wrestling was the first thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I, if I can't go any further with this, then it looks like this is, this is kind of it because I yeah. always wanted to do what I'm doing now. Um, not necessarily like I like the idea of traveling, but I like 
I like indie stuff. I like mm-hmm. being local. I like the idea of going to the local punk shows as a kid. I like those people were my heroes, like loading their stuff into their van at the end of the show after performing in front of 150 kids or whatever live. That was the thing that I liked. And the idea of these like, yeah, kind of like homegrown things. So regional heroes. Done. Yeah, I was almost done because I'd done everything I could do here. I'd had some great opportunities out here to perform at like the Commodore Ballroom and yeah. like great, incredible venues and had shots with WWE, had different like tryouts and stuff like that and had pushed, pushed it. And I was getting older too. You know, I'm like, what, how long can I do this for? Um, so I was just like, and is it going to be one of those things where I stay in wrestling too long and then I can't pursue anything else? Yeah. So yeah, like I was, I wasn't sure what to do. And then I went down for a defy show and instantly I was like, Oh damn, this is, it was, it was, it was supposed to be a match. It was the night that Harry Smith was there. And I think it was him and uh, Bobby fish against uh, yeah. cash. And that, at that show, I was just like blown away by like, it was the first time I saw swerve and I was like, mm-hmm. Holy crap, that audience, that connection that they were making was just it was and just it was the level that I was looking for in an independent. It was like not so professional that it was like shiny and, and everyone looked exactly the same and it was cold and mechanical. It still had that family vibe, but it also didn't have that like carny vibe, you yeah. know what I mean? Or like I'm being taken advantage of or I can't trust who I'm talking to or I gotta wash my bag or someone's gonna go through it kind of thing or I'm worried about getting slurs from the audience. It was things I was always looking for. And, and there it was. And I'd known Matt from before we had done a tour and, and met, like I met Matt by picking him up on the side of a highway in a van as most weirdos pick people up, you know, (laughs) we're talking, we're talking about Matt farmer, who is one of the people in charge of defy. So you wrestled, you wrestled with Matt. Yeah. So we did, yeah, we did a, a, a little tour, and uh, it was really fun. It was me, him, and Santiago, and we were staying in trailers, and we were like laughing and learning about each other the whole time. Yeah. And from there, yeah, um, I didn't even know Matt was involved in Defy, and then when I went down there, he was there, and we talked. And next thing I know, I'm getting a message in my inbox, and I'm like, I weighed weighed heavy on me to tell you the truth. I was like, Am I going to do this, or am I not going to do this? Like, this is a great opportunity, but I. But should this opportunity go to someone who's going to, for like, it's going to keep pushing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just go to an opportunity to somebody that's going to be done. And then when I went down there and I worked that show versus Douglas James, mm-hmm. I had this kind of like bucket attitude for the first time in a while where I felt like maybe it was a safety thing or something, but I just felt like I could be more me than I'd ever been before. Yeah. And I, all the things that I was ever ashamed of or teased about or worried about i just wore on my sleeve for the first time in wrestling i took away my bravado i took away my machismo and just went out there and it was so accepted in a way that i never thought i could be accepted for the things that i was held the most unnecessary shame about or wasn't the most open about with myself so having that kind of real interaction i was fucking hooked so then I was back. So then I was back. Yeah, it was like Defy breathed new life into me. And the fans did exactly that and gave Randy a resurgence. So 
and made me made me more than I ever. If I had left before, it wouldn't have felt whole. You know, it would have been like there was still something to do. Yeah. Uh, but Defy and having the connections I've had feels like I, I, not that I'm done. It's made, but it's made me feel like I've accomplished what I've set out to accomplish. And, and and I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot or put put anyone on blast or say any names or anything, but there have been people that I know have spoken to you about how much you inspire them um, to be themselves, to, you know, be out um, as far as their, you know, uh, their gender, their uh, sexuality, anything like that. I know that you've spoken about how people have come up to you and told you, you know, how much you mean to them. Um, what's that feel like coming from someone uh, you know, who maybe didn't always feel comfortable to be your full character of who you are. Like, what's that feel like to have these people come up to you and, and let you know that you have been empowering them and inspiring them? Validating. And it's my, that's my inspiration. Validating, I would say, is the number one thing. And healing. Yeah. You know, like surprisingly healing because it's, this is who I am and being open about who I am and being encouraged to show more of who I am rather yeah. than hold it back. Yeah. And hearing other people, if I can like inspire somebody like, wow, like I just, if I want to be the wrestler that I wanted to see and I needed to see, and I feel for the first time defies, let me blossom into that character. And if I can help more weirdo heroes, that'd be awesome. Like if I can make more people be themselves, more people be, free and comfortable in their own skin or, you know, even take a second look at themselves or think about mental health or, or their sexuality or be more open to someone else's Then, yeah, the emails and stuff I've gotten or messages and DMs have been so kind. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say enough things about the defiance. You're all delightful darlings. So I'm not, I, I, and I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything or, or, you know, force you to say anything that you don't feel comfortable saying or anything. And, um, you know, stop me if I, you know, we're going into anything too, too much, but, um, you, your character and who you are, you're very, um, keen and, and very outspoken about the importance of, uh, consent. Um, obviously the wrestling world was kind of, uh, shaken through the, uh, speaking out movement, um, on Twitter and on social media with so many victims and so many, uh, survivors having accounts of, uh, so much you know, terrible things within the world of wrestling. Um, what can fans do and what can wrestlers do to kind of heal from that and to change the uh, environment and change the culture of that led to the speaking out movement? Oh, wow. That's, that's a big one. I think there's a lot. I've seen that within wrestling for a long time. Like I said, a place like Defy was the only place that would like kind of give me the proper soil to nurture that yeah. side of me where every other I've never felt comfortable being showing my feminine side in any other uh, ring without it feeling like we get backlash or without negative, without negative backlash from the fans or whatever. So yeah. I think having an environment from the top down, it needs to be professional all the way. Um, I think we don't respect ourselves enough as wrestlers. We take ourselves too jokingly or too much playing wrestlers. We are, we are the next line of, of these stars or these people that need to be held accountable for our actions and stuff like that. It's a big, heavy question, man. Yeah. Um, hey, man, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't prep you with any questions here or anything either. No. So we're all, we're both shooting from the hip here. So. Shoot, yeah, totally. Uh, it's just, 
I just think it is all about consent. Wrestling at its basis is consent. Yeah. You're going to give me your body under the terms that I'm going to be safe with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you a pile driver, a, bur- a pile driver through a burning table without asking you if that's okay first. Yeah. I don't understand how any wrestler cannot understand that when it comes to the fans. We mm-hmm. respect that with each other. I don't understand how that line is not seeing the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Call your spots. It's that simple. Yeah. Call your spots. Make sure it's safe. If I come in in my back store, I'm going to tell my opponent that, and we're going to work around that. We're mm-hmm. going to still be able to make magic without that. Sometimes a limitation makes things better. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can make you more creative. And, and and so the idea that we just that people will be so sleazy and use this use wrestling when it the opportunity, the one opportunity in life to truly be a hero, I think, in some cases. Yeah. We can't be, unfortunately, we can't be the vigilante, a vigilante hero. We can't be Batman in real life, but we can be that hero in the ring. And we can honor our character and honor the people who come to see us and just treat each other with respect. And I think that also goes for the fans. We don't need to be treat like saying anything to a wrestler or to anyone that we wouldn't want them saying back to us. It's that golden rule. It's not, I don't think it's so complicated, but for some reason it really still seems to be, we're not, we're not just because I put on spandex pants and, and play fight with my friends. Doesn't mean that I doesn't mean I have any right to be like hold any power over anyone else or anything like that. That's not, I can't like everyone is equal and this is just what it needs to be. Consent people. Simple. Call your spots. Call your spots. Definitely. A lot of it has to do, I think, with power dynamics and, and, and all of that. And, and you, you know, you said it, you said it well. So I appreciate you kind of, you know, going deep into that and um, talking about Defy specifically. Um, we've seen you grow as a wrestler and your character just so much um, going from, like I said, kind of preliminary matches. Now you're obviously the champ. Um, what does defy mean to you? And specifically, what does the defiance mean to you? Like I, the defiance really, like I said, they breathe the new life into me and yeah. they're fans like I've never seen before. It's like this weird, beautiful family that, that you can tell just how much they care about each other in ways that I've never seen any sort of fans care about each other before care about the wrestlers care about like giving each other rides and grouping sitting together and you can just feel this like like this uh, the promoters jim and matt have both created something and annie as well have created something that's like so magical it's like anarchy but with but with heart you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. it has like this the way that that building vibrates when the fans are getting loud it's insane like i'll stand outside of every single show nervously awaiting my match and hearing the reaction from the crowds and watching the windows literally vibrate yep because the fans are so excited and it's just it reminds me of like ecw but with that anger it's love it's and less dead. problematic chance what's that less problematic chance oh, from the fans yes yes for sure <laughs> and yeah like a lot less like uh, bad stuff happening in bathrooms and such absolutely um, but that's what it reminds me of it. it and that's what i've been looking for all along it's like the the woodstock version of of ecw or something like that you know totally. what I mean? just a love based kind of which is so cool and so defies has given these opportunities to me and to people like cody chung 
mm-hmm. and all these different wrestlers Chaff, are like yeah. up and coming that have always deserved it and or like are new and maybe wouldn't have had these opportunities and like they treat us like wrestlers like not like we're supplementary or we're just there to fill the card that's awesome man um what have been uh what have been a few of your top moments from defy uh if you had to uh name a few obviously the championship so aside aside from winning the championship do you have any other uh like key moments from defy that you just like snapshots in time or like that was fucking epic I, stealing John Morrison's wedding ring, yes, and throwing throwing it into the audience was yeah, that definitely stands out in my head. Um, I remember after we did that, we called that spot, and then it happened. But then we hadn't called his wife uh, Taya coming out from the back, so I was down on the ground. He attacked me after I threw the ring, and and I'm down on the mat, and I saw Taya come out, who I've known she was from Calgary originally as well. So yeah, go back. 15 years or something like that and when she came out and was like angry wifing it up i was i was losing my mind yeah and that moment stabbed my heart as like just pure silliness but like how willing he's such a pro to like play along with something so completely silly and like and like i'm throwing his wedding ring we mm-hmm. can find a fake wedding ring so we're throwing his legit wedding ring yeah and let's hope it works out <laughs> exactly uh working with tommy dreamer was a dream come true. I'm a huge ECW fan, as I was saying. And he, to me, always had that heart that I was talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, kind of symbolized, well, some of it might have been pile-driving women with their thongs in his face, but he always had that. He was the heart of ECW. Totally. I mean, he was like the the guy that you cheered for and had that lifeblood running through him. So for him to be involved in matches with me and to work as a team was like, you know, incredible. So those would be two that stood out right away actually also tajiri walking in while i was wiping my butt there you go uh yeah i didn't lock the door to the bathroom and then yeah i'm i'm i i don't know most people don't stand to wipe but i sometimes i was standing to wipe this day i don't know what the reason behind that was but then tajiri walked in and i was like yeah i'm okay with this like this is a this is a good story it is a good story man and and um you know as we wind down i have a couple more questions here for you and i really appreciate you taking the time randy uh this is uh, this is awesome uh to speak with you so thank you so much yeah you're so welcome man we had to talk to the champ for the first episode um of all time you know past present passed away currently living anytime uh throughout the history what are three wrestlers you would love to share a ring with past or present Okay, okay. Um, George the Animal Steel. Nice. Yeah, I'd love to be uh, the third in a Bushwhacker Okay, team. yeah. I think that could, that could work out really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Right? You got to go Kaufman because it's like the so left field. And mm-hmm. I think we could have made something really ridiculous. You've mentioned that... Um one of the main things for you is music and, and like punk rock. And, and that's one of your main passions. If, if you could, why don't you name four albums that have made a positive like impact on your life? Okay. Um, Rancid's outcome. The wolves is my number one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that album for me, when I first saw Rancid come on much music, which is like MTV up in Canada, mm-hmm. I was terrified because I was like, I, I was so drawn to them that I, 
and I was just a, like, I was 11 years old. And yeah. I was, this is, this is my future. This is like, I was drawn to the Mohawk. Like I was never drawn to anything before. So I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And that scared me. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be like, I think they're running from the cops in a video or mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, this is my future. This is, and I'm scared. So uh, that one definitely, but then it like, I, I love it. And singing those songs with like bands, like it feels like church, you know what I mean? When Absolutely. you just grab somebody you don't know next to you and be singing the same words at the same time that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the Browns greatest hits is a band from Calgary. Okay. Like um, almost like a misfit style band, very like horror centric and stuff like that. Yeah. But very like, they had a song on the Tony Hawk soundtrack, actually uh, oh. American werewolf from Calgary. And they're like that band to me was like my regional super cool band. Yeah. So I would say that, Definitely them. Um, what else did I say? I like uh, White Crosses by Against Me. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a big like Against Me fan. No matter what kind of like Lord Jane's putting out, I love her work. So yeah, all of it. Like whether it be like the the, the, the Tom Gable stuff or the like the Against Me stuff or the or the Mothers, the Devouring Mothers, like all of that stuff. I'm a big fan of. Probably like the first one that it was like super hooky was Dookie too. Like oh yeah, days, you know that was like that was the kind of the era I was, and the idea of like seeing, like I said, I was already seeing the rancid video by that point, so I was scared a little bit by that kind of mm-hmm. one. When there was like this kind of like half emo, kind of like sad when I come around video, and he's just walking around singing about love in a grungy sweater with short blue hair. I'm like, no, that's that's it. That I can handle. That's, yeah. That's a little bit more accessible for you. For sure. Totally. So I would say that. And then that was kind of, I, so it was always kind of that West coast, um, California style, ska, skate, like pop punk stuff for me. So do you skate? Uh, not well. Okay. I yeah. To, yeah. I've always owned a skateboard, but I've never been able, like not very good at it today. I think I did one of my very best skateboard tricks actually. I learned how to do like I dropped the skateboard on my toe like a toe draw and then shot it up, caught it in my hands and then did a rear day or a rear, uh, sorry, Russian deadlift with it. So then, wow. kind of like a, yeah. So that's on my Instagram account at weirdo hero. If you want to check that out, believe it or not, I've heard and you would, I, I wouldn't believe just based on how insane he looks. I've heard that Brian cage is pretty sick at skateboarding. Really? Yeah. Wow, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. Him versus Darby? Let's see like that season skate oh, skate match. Yeah, dude. Right? Brian Cage, do a kickflip. Yeah, right? They're both coming down from the top of a half pipe, meeting in the middle, like blah! We could see it happen in AEW. Book it. Cody, come on. Yeah, sounds great. Uh right on, man. Well, uh one final question I have for you, man. And this is a question I use for uh, the radio shows that I do. Uh, if you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it. Oh, geez. That's a, that's a great question. Mm, I have a lot of, I have a lot of great scars. Um, I would say probably the one I have one on my shoulder. Okay. That is from, from Ross Hart. Um, one of the Hart brothers who mm-hmm. was one of my coach, my wrestling coach. He would he was very strict on me and would always like had very. This is how it's done. Uh, you need to be doing a Russian leg sweep in every single match, a draw, a drop kick, very, very precise about what a baby face and what a heel needs to do. Yeah, and he forgot to take his wristwatch off when we were wrestling oh, a no. match one day. So yeah, he's wrestling me, and then I get back, and then my back is just all 
shredded up from his wow. Rolex watch that was just cutting me the whole match. So my back was all scarred up. So I would say that's probably an interesting scar. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Damn it. Well, thank you, actually, Ross. You helped me graduate high school. There you go. <laughs> it's that damn Rolex. Uh, where can we find you, man, on the internet? And where can we like follow along with you and, and watch some of your clips? I know you've been doing some stand-up comedy. You said you did some of the skateboard tricks. Where can we follow you and find you and support you? Uh, is there a way to buy t-shirts? And, and how, what's a good way to support you during this time when we can't you know, pay money to watch you wrestle? Um, I definitely can find me on Instagram at Weirdo Hero or on Facebook at Randy Myers and reach out. I'm always kind of doing art projects and trying to put stuff out all the time. Yeah. I've been mailing stuff out from here. So I've been a new release of like, I got some new socks. I got printed up. Awesome. I got some hats. I got some new t-shirts. I'm making needle felt projects and painting all the time. So come find me and I'm doing something weird. I guarantee you that. I like it, man. That's awesome. Uh, do you have any final words for the defiance before we let you go? Yeah, we'll be we'll be returning home soon, darlings. I promise you that your champ is eagerly waiting each and every one of you. And I'm sending you safe, consent-filled digital kisses as best I can. And just hold on best you can. I'm here. I'm your champ. Reach out if you need anything, for real. Um, take care of you. And you're you're special and i love you awesome Thanks, dude thank you so much for your time of course i really appreciate this being on the very very first episode absolutely man